0: listening to IoT Leaders, a podcast from SI that shares real IoT stories from the field about digital transformation swings and misses, lessons learned, and innovation strategies that work. In each episode, you'll hear our conversations with top digitization leaders on how IoT is changing the world for the better. Let IoT Leaders be your guide to IoT, digital transformation, and innovation. Let's get into the show.
1: Hello and welcome to the IoT Leaders Podcast. For those of you who perhaps have not listened before, this is the podcast produced by SI, the company that I run. My name is Nick Earl, CEO of SI. It's a podcast that attempts to demystify and shed some light on the complexities of IoT and how what are the best practices uh, to become successful, and each podcast we have a we have a guest, and this week I'm delighted to welcome Matt Hatton, uh, who is the founding partner of a company called Transformer Insights. And so, uh, Matt, um, uh, welcome, welcome to the IoT Leaders Podcast. Thank you, Nick. Delighted to be here. Okay And Matt, one of the where I'd like to start actually, I know you're in big demand and the uh, I see you a lot of on conference agendas and speaking, mm-hmm. but uh, in particular, uh, I first got to know you a little while ago and one of the things that came to my attention was a great little book. Uh, actually I give it to people when they join uh, SI and it was called The Internet of Things Myth. Uh, which I thought was a was a wonderful title, but it basically was a book. The way I describe it is a book that that explains, you know, why IoT hasn't yet happened, and in particular, uh, what resonated to me early on was the the uh, uh, the claims from various companies, including the company I worked for at the time, Cisco. You know, we were by twenty twenty, and we're a year past it now. Of course, we were all going to have fifty billion things connected. Life was going to be great. And in fact, it was probably going to be more than fifty billion. It would be you know, even more. And actually, it turned out when the when the dust settled and we looked at the numbers, it was eleven billion. And I think it's the book uh, is one of the best explanations of of actually what happened in retrospect. Uh, so maybe we can just start off now. I know you co co-authored it. Mm-hmm. Um, what what would you say just for our listeners and viewers when you see it on social media of this podcast? What were the main reasons? Can you summarise why we had such an enormous miss on our predictions as an industry?
2: Yeah, I mean, the the starting point you've got to go back to a little bit is uh, whether fifty billion was a reasonable target or what the expectations really, really should have been. And actually, as someone who was doing market forecasting in around about two thousand and eleven of the IoT market w- with my previous company, Makina Research we didn't think it was going to be 50 billion devices so so there was kind of a expectation yes. uh, gap yeah. a, a little bit so we we pitched around i think 12 billion was our, was our first well, that was big. not not bad not bad that was very um, good we we'd say the figure now is or at the end of 2020 was around about 9 billion i think so, okay. something like that so you know i think we were we were pretty Pretty close, but back to the question. I mean, it's still a still a valid question in terms of okay, well, uh, against those expectations, why did we not uh, quite see the the take up? And, and more importantly, for me, it's not necessarily about about numbers of devices. It's the it's the impact. People were talking about how IoT would have a world-changing impact on all right. of these industries, and yeah. and it would completely transform everybody. And and that has happened in 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 some cases. Some
1: cases, yeah.
2: But but also hasn't happened in a lot of other cases. Now you you can look at things like uh, on the consumer side of things. There were some. Some terrible business models. I mean, things where you'd get your connected garage door bricked if you didn't uh, comply with with terms of service, or you, you've got uh, situations where something that you used to buy as a as a piece of hardware and own forever, you're effectively going to a subscription model for lighting or for music or for for any number of different things. And is that really uh, the best user experience for 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 people who are used to having something that would just work? Constantly for the lifetime duration of the of the device? Probably not. And switching over to the, the, the enterprise side of things, there was, I think, a, a quite a disconnect between how organizations in their IT departments, perhaps, saw IoT as being, well, wow, this wonderful, bright, shiny thing that we can we can go play with. And the reality within the the organisation, in terms of their their operations and commercial models, and so on, and how how capable they actually were of taking advantage of of the opportunities that the IoT brought them, and, and this was part of the reason why you saw all of this POC hell, all trials and and um, and and so on that happened, but never really went to to commercial deployment. It's because for the most part. Uh, companies were testing the technology and it was a kind of a proof of technology rather than a proof of concept because there was never really a uh, much of a thought on how this is going to change the organization and and what it does so you've got things like um, uh, the the operations you've got things like okay if you switch to an as-a-service business model one of the big capabilities that IoT allows is you can go from selling potato sorters to selling potato sorting as a service that's the example I, I, I always like to throw in you can do that but for that a potato sorting machine manufacturer that involves completely changing how they do everything from their finance, their operations, their customer service, just about everything. And very few companies have really thought through how that would how that would change. And so th- there was inevitably going to be a bit of a gap between what the the promise was and what the the reality was. Is that, I mean, there's a couple of other things. It was also pretty complex. Uh, you've seen, I think, in the last ten years. Quite a lot of driving out of the of the complexity. You've got a, a kind of platformisation of the of, of the sector, which makes it a lot easier. You've got more technologies available that are more appropriate for IoT. I'm thinking about particularly some of the low power wide area technologies. Uh, but in 2011, they maybe didn't exist, and, and maybe there was an expectation that they would appear and be much more widely deployed and used than, than as it happens they did. So you've you've got you've got all those sorts of factors, I. Eh?
1: And 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 if I if I by the way just as an aside, um, in my previous lives, one of my previous lives, previous careers, uh, I was at um, uh, Cisco and was actually running the unit that was uh, tasked with doing the change management across the company from transactional box selling, essentially, mm. to annuity. And you're absolutely right. The biggest issue was everything changes i mean your finance uh system has to change your operations system has to change how you pay people the job descriptions your budgeting process i mean mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. just so fundamental and yeah, no yeah. one really understood it was like sort of, well we'll just sort of charge for it as an annuity yeah. but you know no, all the back-end systems have to change and but but you know the other issue that the well, thing that I, I i saw in the book and one that here at si of course that we picked up on is this issue of certain assumptions that we all had whether we were saying it was and i admire you for saying 13 i think you were 12 or 13 are the most accurate but there were a lot of people who said 50 i mean uh cisco was one of them but ibm yeah, yeah. so i mean uh, a lot of people said 50. And, and there wasn't a, there were some basic assumptions and, and and maybe we could just step through them. and one of the first ones was, well, connectivity is going to be like uh, cellular connectivity is going to be pretty easy. I mean, you know we we already we already done that. that's a problem the industry has solved. we We stick a SIM card in a, in, a, in a piece of hardware that has firmware and maybe a screen and because that's a phone and we know how that works and, mm-hmm. and, it, and it just works right. but it turns out that and you get hundred percent connectivity, but it turns out those use cases, that that you talked about, they require in many cases, uh, near 100% connectivity. And it is certainly, connectivity was not easy, was it? I mean, people don't know about hardware, The, the large global mobile network operators in the cellular consumer voice world, they sell great connectivity, but it's not at the sort of levels that often IoT devices need is it? i mean from an industry point of view global truly global
2: connectivity is a
1: real challenge
2: isn't it it, it is it was more a question of i i think optimization well there's two, two issues one is optimization uh, so the the old way of doing things with with mobile phones you know you stick a, a anybody's sim in any device and it goes more or less anywhere in the world and it and it works fine doesn't really Carry over into into IoT because you're dealing with much more extreme use cases, things that require, as you say, that much more coverage or uh, longer battery life. So so yeah. you need to optimise the the devices and the and the network and 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 all those various constituent parts for for delivering that that, that capability. So yeah, it was a it, it's a it's a much more challenging environment and perhaps more challenging than than everyone. Uh, gave it credit for there's also a bit of an inertia as well you know it's not it's not just okay there are these use cases and, and wouldn't it be wonderful if they were connected and then suddenly they're all going to be uh, connected. It takes time. It takes uh, time and effort to to pull together a proposition that that, that seems appropriate to, to those uh, use cases and and to persuade the, the the sectors involved that it's that it's a, a, a vital part of, of what they need to, to do going forward. It's-
1: One of the conversations I was having on a previous podcast, uh, we've done quite a few now, is people were saying... It was also the opposite of, of, of the way we thought the world was going to go. And just to explain that, you know, when cloud came, cloud represented to simplification. I mean, AWS talked about simplification and driving costs down. Something mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll come back to, I'm sure, because of a blog that you've recently done. But essentially AWS, their promise was, it's just simpler than owning a box, managing a box, operating a box, you just connect to the cloud. With your credit card, and we'll we'll take care of the complexity, and it's infinitely mm-hmm. scalable. And we all sort of uh, believe that, and 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 said, well, you know, that that's hardware. Hardware's now gone; it's the personal device, say, or or perhaps a, a PC. But basically, I'm not having to design hardware or manage hardware. And yet, along came IoT, and as you've just said because of um, issues to do with the use case in the device different sensors battery life management firmware settings global deployment linking to different um, mnos over 800 mnos mobile network operators around the world suddenly hardware was front and center as 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 one of the big things in in iot deployment but most users it's very rare for a user to have a hardware design department, a customer to have a hardware design department. And, you know, they, they, although there are cloud IoT platforms, the hardware design side of it suddenly became a huge issue. And that, and most people said, I, I don't want to be involved in that. I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And yet the research says 80% of problems um, in IoT deployments, can actually be traced back to something within the device. Mm. So that, well, that, we suddenly went in a back, almost back to the future. We went back to something we thought we'd let go of as an industry.
2: Yeah, well, to use the the well-worn and slightly hackneyed phrase, hardware is hard. You've is got hard. certification of the devices. You've got such a, and I come back to it again. The, the diversity of uh, of use cases meant that. You know, if you wanted to develop a solution for your particular uh, requirements then probably you, you had to almost build it from the, the ground up in, ma- in many cases and if you didn't then you know, okay use a use a gateway fine that's okay but the cost associated with with using a gateway was probably well out of proportion with yeah. with what you'd be, yeah. be prepared to spend yeah. so yeah. You, you do end up with 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 quite significant challenges with that and, and and certification onto networks you know the particularly the the us operators are very restrict about what gets approved for, for for going onto their networks it's it's a it's a challenging thing yeah. it's one actually one on thing. the on, on the subject of, of, of networks one of the other mm. significant things was uh compliance so uh, particularly in the in the cellular world so you had some some horror stories of uh companies trying to support their or network operators trying to support connections in other markets based on roaming and the host operator saying hey i'm not really happy with with uh, you having these permanently roaming devices on my network notwithstanding regulatory but this was just you know operator interoperator relationships and they say not having this, I'm switching those those, net, those connections off. And if you've got hundreds of thousands of vehicles in, in the US, as some European network operators did in, in cars, what do you do? You've got stranded devices, and and none of this helps to reinforce this idea that IoT is going to be easy and a great thing to do if you're a if you're a car manufacturer, say. So it's you know that's just another another thorny issue that was uh, was a bit of a problem back in about 10 years ago or or, or so
1: yes actually it was that was one of the reasons um I, you know I, when i joined SI to be CEO i they said to me oh well we do this you know ubiquitous global connectivity but we we've also got this team of people over here and i said well what do those guys do and they said well that's our hardware design um, mm. team and i said hardware design team you know i've <laughs> what sort of an old-fashioned concept is that? And actually, as you just said, it turned out to be incredibly um, important because the, the the devices, you can't use a gateway. Often it's just too expensive. It's physically too big. It's not right for the use case. Mm. You have to put connectivity into the device, uh, security into the device that get the firmware settings. And as you say, the certification is different. I mean, even in the US, uh, the way uh, you know, AT&T, uh with gsm heritage verizon with a cdma heritage if a device wants to go between one and two you're now connecting to networks that have different requirements Mm. and so that that just that that one thing means if your network's going to localize or connect on onto both it it's got to have firmware that actually converts things and puts them in the other way around and so anyway that so we got you know that that's back to this this point that we it didn't happen but it is happening now I, iot is growing now we're, we're starting to simplify things now we're seeing some great use cases uh we talked about that a lot you've talked about it a lot we uh, we talked about it a lot on this podcast series we often have our customers we have 2000 customers we often have our customers on and talk about their use cases mm-hmm. uh, so that we're actually showing look you know these guys have found a way through and are now doing some uh, amazing things but, but I think what, what's now happening, and I want to come back to your blog uh, that you've recently written, there's something else over and above, you know, I have this vision that we sort of fight through the complexity and we, 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 we somehow, we get the device designed, we get global ubiquitous uh, connectivity, we sort out the issues to do with roaming and the whole eSIM and EUICC movement is really helping on that. There've been multiple podcasts on that subject. But let's just say for the moment we battled our way through But now we have some industry changes that are putting pressures on business models. And one of them in particular is the decline of data. So I wanted to ask you about your blog because um, the the one that you've written, I'll make sure I get the uh, title right. How will connectivity providers cope with $1 IoT? So, uh, could, perhaps you could just explain a little bit about what 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 that means mm. and, and what the challenges are.
2: Yeah, of course, uh, this is really about price erosion. Simple as that. We're seeing uh, quite, well, continued price erosion. It's always something that's, that's happened. And to the point where we're heading in the direction of a prevailing price point, particularly at the, at the lower end in terms of the amount of data being used, of about a dollar per year we've seen some eye-catching pricing of exactly that kind of kind of level Uh, if you look at china they're already at about the sort of one to two dollar per year level Uh, if you do the sums on the uh, net ads that are being being added by a lot of the the operators at the moment they're probably in the sort of four to five dollar per year kind of a range versus cross standard base of maybe maybe a dollar per month. Yeah. So we, we see this, this 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 gradual but notable uh, decline heading in the direction of a dollar a year. Now that's not all bad news of course.
1: Depends uh, who you are We'll come <laughs> on to that. But from an enterprise point of view it sounds like great news. A-
2: a- absolutely and, and the use cases that are enabled are obviously many not, not least because you might be able to use cellular where previously you might have use wi-fi you, using using wi-fi for instance to connect a, a fridge okay well you, you can sort of see the point but having to manage the keys and and, and connect it onto your own wi-fi network and, and whatever it's a pain whereas cellular is up and running and and, yeah. uh, and gets going right so so the, the question is does the the margin erosion is that reflected in uh, growing adoption. Well, of course, to, to a certain extent, it's it's inevitably going to be. The question is whether it, uh, whether it more than makes up for it. Probably doesn't. And so you're in a in a scenario where, okay, well, where do you generate your your, your revenue from? Where does the, the, the money come from? Or what approach do you need to take in order to make sure that that's, that's still profitable? And, and there's a couple of things you can do. One thing is, and you alluded to it in the in the previous comment, was, it's about know-how, okay? So it stops being about providing connectivity, and it becomes about having earned the hard yards in, in helping companies to deploy IoT, and therefore uh, being able to, to support them. So it's not just selling SIMs, it's selling this know-how, okay, how do I connect things? How do I make sure my device is optimized to work on the network? All of these sorts of I mean in a way value added services but it's it's the kind of stuff that a lot of the more long in the tooth connectivity providers have been doing for a for a very long time so that compensates to a certain extent but you've also got a situation i think where you have to see the communication service providers the the connectivity providers ma- making a bit of a a pivot some are further along this along this pivoting than than others Uh, to what we're terming hyperscale IoT connectivity provider. Uh, And that involves things like uh, making sure that your onboarding and and SIM management, connectivity management platforms are uh, right-sized and have the appropriate scalability for that sort of low-touch, no-touch onboarding and, and managing. And there's a whole Whole series of uh, things, cloud integration, having a, a, a ultra simplified way of integrating the data into the cloud, just to remove the requirements to to touch the device or touch any any element, to, to effectively just streamline getting that that connectivity working. And you know that, that by adopting that approach, uh, we think that the cost comes into line with where we see the 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 revenue. Uh, heading.
1: But that is a change management challenge, isn't it? I mean, if you assume the price, you know, a dollar per year, and who knows, in five years time, we could be saying 50 cents, 30 cents. I mean, it's kind of like a Moore's law type uh, truism. Um, If you assume that that's going to happen, then the challenge is, can businesses pivot their business model and now we're talking about the supply side, not the enterprise side. Mm. It seems to be all good news from the enterprise side. Easy to pivot
2: your business model to Can cheaper, business cheaper business to cost.
1: Model. Uh, because if you've been uh, if you've built up over the years sort of muscle memory that that is around selling sims and they're your proprietary sims, they have your IMSI in. So the moment you sell the sim, you get the connection. You choose. You, you're in the, the the seat that chooses the roaming or whether you roam or not. And you know you choose the pricing. You've got a lock in because you've got a proprietary sim. And suddenly here you have this world where is, uh, first of all, it's not a proprietary SIM anymore. It's an eSIM, so it's programmable, OTA, over the air. So you no longer have a lock-in in the uh, device. You've got EUICC standard, which enables de- uh, estates to be wholesale transferred from one operator uh, to another operator. So again, your lock-in, if you like, has been loosened mm. at the uh, at, on the connectivity level. And now uh, here we are saying, oh, well, all you have to do is climb the stack, where you know, and you can monetize um, services. I mean, essentially services. What you're talking about, you know, device design. Uh, you can uh, monetize uh, know-how or advise what we call advisory services, which is you know advising people on best practices of how to go through this journey. And what you're what you're actually saying is is is. But there are companies who will just be the kings of low data, uh, and they will. They will, um, you know, the AWS is of data, if you like, uh, but they 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 will absolutely drive this price down, and you'll see a bifurcation between. It seems to me that what we're entering into is a bifurcation between volume and value, mm-hmm. um, and and that bifurcation is can be broadly categorised as platform and services on the value side, and uh, things like security, which which I want to come up back to in a minute but volume is almost like data and choice of data, and uh, which eSIM uh, gives you the ability to switch, uh, the and EUICC, the ability to switch provider. So do you see that that world that I'm describing making making sense, a bifurcation into volume and value, uh, almost like an uncoupling of the data and the platform mm. and and enterprises as such take control of the value side of the equation, and then you have um, a challenge for um, MNOs and MVNOs, uh, IoT partners, to how quickly they can move up the the value stack, because if they can't, they're going to get eaten essentially from the bottom by the by the volume low cost guys.
2: Yeah, you you can sort of think of it as a uh, you sell the connectivity, but what you're really trading off is the other things that you that you layer on top of it and and there will be and then there's a lot of those you you look at okay we talk about communication service providers as a as a homogeneous block but actually there's a whole load of different approaches you think yeah. of somebody like orange okay orange has orange business services they provide a lot of systems integration consulting you know very heavy stuff and the connectivity piece is more of a support act to that if you if you like and sensibly so they've said you know our our focus is probably more on doing that consulting piece the bit that that um that where we can add the value and we can we can differentiate ourselves rather than the rather than the pure play uh connectivity and the the i think you're right about the the the, the bifurcation when i talk about one dollar iot that's sort of a I guess a median level of a, of a dollar and probably we're looking at five years before we get to that that sort of a level so you're talking about a, a lot of connectivity that is still high value high volume uh, there's a lot of, of additional value to be added to that but but that can still be done more efficiently Okay, so this this application of the concept of being a hyperscale IoT uh, connectivity provider applies equally to to, to that as well in, in, in terms of just being more efficient in the way that you you address the market and therefore in, in improving improving margins. If, if I'm a
1: an MNO mobile network operator, as I say, there's eight hundred of them, and I know a lot of them watch this podcast because I get LinkedIn messages and uh-huh. uh, and whatever what are the attributes of a, a hyperscale what do you call it a, a hyperscale iot connectivity provider so why why hyperscale and secondly what are the attributes of mm. uh, of that uh, as compared to what they how they are and and, and how they go to market today
2: mm. why hyperscale it's bit of a borrowed term really because obviously the the cloud uh, providers would consider themselves to be the hyperscalers and we yes the the thinking is that you've got to apply similar sorts of principles to the provision of connectivity and uh, in in terms of what the characteristics are well a, a lot of it is that is that low cost low touch onboarding and management capability that I was talking about earlier, there's also a lot about integration up and down the stack, taking out some of the the complexity associated with the hardware, with the cloud integration. Those are a a couple of the other uh, big and significant uh, pieces. So for instance, we discussed, okay, it's very complex to get your your hardware developed and optimized for the the appropriate device. Well, with uh, the, the... there's an increasing move from a lot of players to integrate that hardware piece into the into the proposition have the devices pre-integrated into platforms pre-certified those those sorts of of activities and in terms of the the hyperscale cloud the integration of cloud what iot will happen in the cloud or rather the application piece of it will happen in the cloud and so the most a critical thing is to have efficient delivery and and uh, um, management of that of that cloud-based data, which means that you've got to have the the sort of the plugs to 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 push data into the cloud in the most appropriate yeah. way. Almost to the point where y- maybe you go to the cloud provider as your as your first board of call, and then they say, okay, well these are the connectivity options associated with it, and and we're we're we're, we're pulling data, and actually you don't need to worry about the the, the connectivity. Yeah, provider. the um.
1: Uh, I have got a cloud background uh, uh, as as you are aware from my, my work at, at Cisco running the cloud program and, the, mm. and I do believe the lessons from the uh, the hyperscale they weren't called the hyperscalers for many no. years we looked at them initially saying what's going on here are they are not they're losing money of course we didn't realize what the what the strategy was but it was basically simplification and and, and reducing pricing very analogous but um what's happening is that the data uh, what we found certainly was the 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 data, this issue of integrating the data from an IoT use case into your back-end systems is so complex that in, in many cases, what people are saying is, I'm not even going to do that. I'm actually going to put it straight into the cloud. Mm. And then you get the, well, how do I do it? I mean, just at this very basic level, you've got data and you've got to convert it into MQTT messages. I mean, just that in itself is that, oh, well, how do I do that? And then how do I pay for it? Well, you pay for MQTT messages in capacity packs. Mm-hmm. Um, you buy you know 50 000 messages at a time from in, in the case of aws uh the aws marketplace and then how do i handle security and of course now you have a set of managed services that are like device defender for mm-hmm. for, for uh, aws that does that and then you have to get the security certificate back in and how do you do anomaly detection behavior so it comes back i think to your issue of, uh, or your your point about know-how one of the the things that we did about two three years ago when we saw all these issues and we saw how complicated it's it is for people and we we saw the directions that, that it's going with the, the hyperscalers the true hyperscalers beefing up uh in terms of what they're doing and having a much much lower Uh, price per unit of compute data pricing inevitably going to come down and still when it does come down to this level it's still way above what we're paying on our cell phones Mm -hmm. for data so you know it's going to come down even more and then you look at all of the back-end integration problems and we realize that that what people actually need is 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 advice we call it advisory Uh, services or to be a guide you know be a guide it's actually one of the reasons that balloon uh, behind my head the idea is that you don't take a balloon up on your own you go up in a balloon with a guide Mm -hmm. and they actually you know let you rise above uh, the problems and and take you to where you want to go so we actually rethink our whole company around advice and guidance. And um, because to, because this was because people just don't know what to do, and and the stats that are bandied around about the number of IoT projects fail are really scary. Mm-hmm. In Atlas, this, as you point out, at least ten years. Um, and, and of course, when IoT projects fail, it has consequences on people and their careers. So we absolutely believe that that advice on a whole variety of areas, all of which, all of the ones that we we've talked about is one of the biggest gaps um mm-hmm. in in the industry and you it, it isn't just standalone consulting help that people use it's got to be advice in the context of iot and in the context of what they're trying to achieve mm-hmm. so what you you get is that you know there isn't any such thing as a connectivity uh company you you almost need a consulting hardware connectivity blend mm-hmm. as a company to actually help people go through this journey, but it is gonna be tough, isn't it? Do you you think, if if I go back uh, in my career, whenever there was a big change like this, a business model change, I remember when software was sold on a per license basis and it became SaaS. And um, what happened was the model got adopted, but there were casualties. A lot of the companies that were selling software licenses, enterprise software, didn't make the transition. Um, they just couldn't their financial model you know you we can't go from collecting the money net 30 to collecting more of the money but over a three-year period their financial model collapsed. Mm -hmm. so do you think matt that everybody will be able to make the transition i mean there are 800 mnos most of which aren't doing, you mentioned orange, mm-hmm. but most of which are not doing what you say. Mm-hmm. Apparently, according to one research report I read, there's a thousand people who claim to be an IoT company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no shortage of people who say, I'm an IoT company, that's not an m do, do you think there's going to be a, a lot of casualties as, as these uh, issues, as data drops? Interoperability arrives in terms of eSIM and EUICC, and people have to move from uh, volume to value.
2: Casualties is a bit of a, a, of a difficult thing to 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 define uh, for a start. Okay, so you think about for. MNOs, network operators. Okay, there's 800 of those, but for the vast majority of them, IoT isn't more than one or two percent. less than they're not even
1: declaring their financial results.
2: It, it, exactly. So, so realistically, it doesn't make an awful lot of a lot of difference to the to the top line or the yeah. or the bottom line, really. But what you'll see is is with some a a retrenching, uh, going much more to a wholesale model. I think is how we we describe. Right. It. Where they're the carrier, but in terms of go to market or any of the other the, the other additional cost items, they don't do much uh, other than work with MVNOs that maybe sell. Right.
1: And that's part of the- this bifurcation that I was talking about. Yeah, they, they won't even try. They'll they'll just they'll just make sure they're one of the there are wholesale providers to the value provider.
2: Yeah, and th- and they're typically part of a. A triopoly in most markets, so they will, you know, they'll they'll go for a, a fair share of their revenue in the in the market in which they're they're present, yeah. and that, and that's fine. And that's already the strategy of the vast majority of those 800 you mentioned. You know, if you're a third operator in a small market, it's it's very unlikely you'll have an IoT yeah. team. You probably won't even have an IoT person. Uh, it's likely that the the person with any kind of responsibility for IoT sits in the wholesale team anyway. And and so it's thought of as being more of a wholesale opportunity. Yeah, so when you
1: look back at lessons of uh, history in in terms of uh, IT, then whenever there was a change in the business model, there were often casualties. And what I mean by that is, let's just take one that we're all very familiar with. In the 90s, um, uh, most enterprise software was sold on a license basis. You bought a one, two, three-year license or by a number of users uh, but essentially it was a transactional cost you bought it you paid for it you put it on the shelf mm-hmm. and sometimes you used it and sometimes you didn't along came sas and and actually what happened was the sas model rose to the top but but most 80-90% of the companies that were in, in large enterprise space weren't able to make the transition just for these issues that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, mm-hmm. the back end issues, the, the fact that instead of getting all the revenue up front, you, you then got it over a monthly basis over three years, but everything had to change internally and the financial model dropped. And if you're a public company, your share price dropped mm-hmm. because of the fact that your next year's revenue was going to decline, but longer term, it would grow. So my question then becomes, when we talk about the change that, that, that people have to go through, uh, MOs, many MBOs, do you think there will be casualties or and or do you think there will be, rather than casualties, because they have protected interests, uh, regulatory protection in many cases, do you think there will be, what we're seeing is going to see a, a wave of
2: consolidation in the industry? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's inevitable. Casualties, is Probably a bit strong, certainly on the on the network operator side of things, right? So you've got one or two percent of revenue being accounted for by by IoT. It, it's not going to drive consolidation on uh, on network operators. It's probably not going to make an awful lot of difference to to the top line or the or the bottom line if they change strategic approaches to yeah. to, to to IoT. Yeah. But what yeah. we might see is a is a bit of a retrenching to more of a wholesale-based model, and we have seen examples of this from from one or two operators we've got a report coming out on on thursday our csp iot benchmarking and 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 some of those operators that we're profiling have made a notable move towards being a little bit more wholesale focused so effectively they're not the the go-to-market engine for for iot they're providing a network but it's never going to drive consolidation for 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 those kinds of players for the mvnos yeah absolutely i think there's probably a, a bunch of companies at the at the Bottom end, the sort of long tail providers, of which there are millions.
1: Now. Uh, I, a lot of people came from the consumer side and just basically do roaming. Uh, Absolutely, in cellular roaming, uh, MVNOs from the from the, the voice consumer side that now say, "Oh, we do the same for IoT." Mm-hmm. But that that seems to be the the bit that is going to get caught between the two bricks that they're
2: coming I, in. I think so, and and also. You know the story of MVNOs in IoT has been one of consolidation over the years. You get new okay. companies appearing, and they tend to appear at about the same sort of rate as they get merged into into others. So you've, you know, you saw that with uh, Core acquiring or being the result of the acquisition of a whole bunch of companies in the in the US in the sort of 2014, 15, 16 sort of timeframe. And uh, Wireless Logic is going through a process of acquiring companies over All here. Right, yeah. You know that's about gaining scale geographical scale or yeah, protecting or yourself. Yeah right. it, it, exactly and it's the natural reaction to yeah uh, get bigger get bigger quicker exactly yeah. so 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 pr- pricing pressure will will naturally lead, lead towards that but but for me it's a bit of a short term uh, approach yeah. i think it, it it only keeps the uh,
1: tide from coming in for a, a, a period of time but ultimately uh,
2: the water still com- the water to use that analogy still comes in right absolutely and that's not to to belittle either the the, the organizations that, that i mentioned or to suggest that they haven't done that but but doing it through uh, MA is probably not the optimum way of, of of doing these things there there are these internal systems and approaches that you need to to get right rather than just going for scale
1: and and i, I and just to finish and, and we could talk for Hours, but the it's actually interesting because the um, a lot of our podcasts are to do, as I said, with case studies or 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 other aspects of the industry. This is more uh, become a discussion on the future of the uh, of of the IoT market and the players and what strategies they have to deploy. So it, it is one of those subjects that can go on for a long time. But I did mention that I wanted to come back to security and my, our own view is that driven by things like eSIM, EUICC, the rise of the hyperscalers, the decline of the data, I mean, there's a lot of headwinds Mm -hmm. um, which are coming in now. Um, And the the attractiveness of IoT as a business case, because it really is attractive if you can Mm -hmm. get it right, and it really will disrupt and create a new user experience. Uh, We think that the bar has to be raised even higher it's certainly something we're trying to do it's, it's not easy but it's something we're trying to do which is to go and, and actually again learn lessons from the industry and one lesson that i uh, just want to uh, refer to is that when that sas model did change that we were talking about the it architecture was fragmenting at the time and it was going to you know minis pcs and cell phones mobile phones but what was happening is the threat perimeter was getting bigger Mm -hmm. and so although the costs were coming down and the software was it's now available on an iphone it was available on a samsung phone etc but what was happening is the security concerns were getting bigger and so this issue of setting central policy Mm -hmm. and deploying it to the edge started to become the biggest gating issue of whether or not these models were adopted and and the reason I mention that is as SI we've just published a report on uh interview a few hundred um users around the world of what are the biggest reasons right now for not implementing i.t at mm. scale a couple of years ago and for the last few years it has been this complexity uh, mm. that we talked about now very clearly number one issue is security concerns mm. the, the 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 um the idea of of having these devices which in many cases are not protected they don't have agent security software on them but the idea of having, deploying them at scale, people can easily hack them, because often if there is a password on it, it's four zeros or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Easily hack them and then tunnel in. And you've oh, you, by solving all these technical problems, you've actually built the tunnel for people uh, to hack you. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the big differentiators, and it's not solved yet p- for the industry, but we believe is going to be a policy management with auto deployment to the edge of which security is the the main one, but but security, compliance, configuration management, a whole series of things, which is, as the edge expands, we need to actually, we're going to see a swing back to the people in the center saying, unless you can show me how to do network level, deep packet inspection, um, anomaly detection behavior, for example, I don't care how good the business Value prop is if we get hacked and they take all of our data, we can be out of business, or mm. or we can have a ransom Bitcoin attack or whatever. And so, it's a subject for future future podcasts. But I think we're going to see a, 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 another abstraction of of, um, of value, which is to do with enterprise value, mm. CIO, CISO, CFO concerns, which for many is is yet another change management a challenge because now you have to come across as an enterprise software company and previously you've been an MVNO or you've been a roaming partner and again that ultimately the whoever cracks that mm. uh, will probably uh, become a platform and a standard if you like for the enterprise yeah
2: there's there's one thing that we as analysts like more than anything else and that's category creation Okay. <laughs> De- defining defining a category of things yes. of technology of of, yes. of something back in the macina research days we did it with lpwa that was one of the ones that actually we yeah. we came up with as an organization and okay. said okay there's a bunch of technologies here all doing much the same thing we'll we'll create that category yeah. and i think there's a, c- a category around what you're talking about there which is over and above Connectivity management, it's about yeah. policy management and security, policy, and so yeah, on. And, exactly. and I think you're right. There's another abstracted layer about supporting global connectivity with compliance and all of those yeah. those, those various different elements. I think it it still needs defining, but I I, I think there is certainly a a there there if if you so know it, what it, I mean. There there, as the Americans say. It, it, um, exactly. So yeah. we, I think we um it, it needs. It's, it's positive. It's a positive thing that the requirement for this is, has yeah. has appeared because the, the implication of, of that is it's we've a, it's got all a, it's the underlying Yeah, it, With- it, it's entering. It,
1: it's coming into the mainstream. It's it's, it's maturing. It's, it's not one of those things that's out there and it's a project or it's right. science pro- project. It, it's entering mainstream and therefore it has to be held to the same standards. Yeah, yeah. anything that goes in. And um, well, listen, Matt. When you when you write the report and you define it as a category, just remember. Uh, I certainly <laughs> Remember words. who mentioned it, but I know you've already been thinking about it anyway. Listen, we could go on forever, but we'll exceed the uh, time limit and the patience of our our listeners. So uh, I just want to end it there. Thanks very much. I always enjoy our uh, discussions. We also we always get off into what could happen next, what's really going on, um, and what are the challenges uh, in the players? And I know a lot of people find those conversations very useful. So I hope that's the case for everyone who's watching this, listening to this this time. So you've been listening to the IoT Leaders podcast uh, with myself, Nick Earl, CEO of SI, and Matt Hatton, of, uh, as it says behind his head, uh, Transformer Insights, but also uh, uh, does a lot of work on the uh, blog side. And if you go to his LinkedIn profile, there's lots of links there. And uh, he's a frequent speaker at many industry events. So Matt, uh, with that, I really uh, appreciate uh, the discussion and I wish you well. And uh, I look forward to this category being uh, created and getting some more advice on, on what's gonna be needed. Absolutely, my pleasure, Nick, thank you. All right, thanks very much, goodbye. Thanks
2: for tuning in to IoT Leaders, a podcast brought to you by SI. Our team delivers innovative global IoT cellular connectivity solutions that
1: just work, helping our customers deploy differentiated experiences and disrupt their markets. Learn more at SI.com.
0: You've been listening to IoT Leaders, featuring digitization leadership on the front lines of IoT. Our vision for this podcast is to be your guide to IoT and digital disruption, helping you to plot the right route to success. We hope today's lessons, stories, strategies, and insights have changed your vision of IoT. Let us know how we're doing by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and recommending us. Thanks for listening. Until next time.